are on the line. Live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn on ESPN 1067 or online on FoxSports983.com and ESPNAU.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Daw. Join the show by calling in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7400. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Dawn, ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Who's mad out there? (laughs) College football playoff rankings released. Got a bunch of people boo-hooing right now about the Cincinnati Bearcats. Lance, how you doing today, my man? I'm doing great, man. And let me tell you something. They can continue to cry about it because Cincinnati, based on what's been going on so far this season, should they be in the top 10? Yes. Should they be in the top five? Somewhere around there. Should they be a playoff team? I've not thought so this season, If they, even if they do go undefeated. So we'll talk about that later in the show. But just out of the gates, like I think it's fair where they're ranked right now. Now, Oregon at four? Maybe not. That's crazy. That's We can talk about that. That's awesome. Number to call 334-321-1390 or text line at 334-564-1840. What are your thoughts on the initial college football playoff rankings for the 2021 season? Do you think someone got snubbed out of the top four? If you don't care about the top four and you want to talk about the SEC, you want to talk about where Auburn's at? Ask us about it. What are your thoughts? Tell us. We want your takes. 334-321-1390. We'll have Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer joining us at 2.30 p.m. as he does every Wednesday. It's a report Wednesday here on On the Line, which means we're going to be talking about the Texas A&M Aggies and getting everybody prepared for Auburn's opponent this Saturday because regardless of what those college football playoff rankings say, they're not the final ones and there's still football to be played. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, there were some interesting things in the poll yesterday, but uh, looking at this Texas A&M team, Report Wednesday is one of my favorite shows of the week. We get to really take a deep dive into Auburn's opponent, get to really figure out the weaknesses and strengths of of the team, both offensively and defensively. It's really interesting to see the way that these uh, teams run, specifically for me, their offense. And you may have some different numbers, Noah, but when I look at this Texas A&M team, Across the span of this year so far, this was kind of the what was expected from this Texas A&M offense heading into the year. They run the football, and they run the football a lot. They brought in a new quarterback. It was going to be Haynes King at the beginning of the season. It's now Zach Calzada, who, by the way, has thrown one interception in six straight games in the SEC. Very consistent uh, with, with his turnovers, uh, spreading them out evenly. But They run the football a lot because they have an inexperienced quarterback. They've got a little bit of a new offensive line. They've got some holes there. But overall, this team, in in a variety of different ways, has been running the football uh, very consistently with with A-Chain and Isaiah Spiller. I'm actually kind of surprised that they haven't ran the ball more. If you go to Texas A&M's website, you look at their pass-run split, just total plays. Shockingly, there's not – too much of a difference there they run the ball 54 percent of the time which is a lot less than some of the other teams Auburn has faced namely the team from this past week Ole Miss was coming in with a 60-40 split Arkansas was around that same split maybe a little bit more Georgia as well 
Auburn has played more teams that are a little bit more run heavy, but you are right in saying that this Texas A&M team, if the ground game's not going, they're not going. It's about the ground game. They just have been surprisingly a little bit more balanced in their play calls than I was expecting them to be. And my reasoning for that is I expected them to take some of the pressure off of Zach Calzada in this offense, and I don't think they've done too much to really take some of that pressure off of him, which may be why you're getting a mixed bag of results from Zach Calzada in his first year as a freshman. Yeah, I would agree. You look at the the yearly play splits, it is closer to 50-50. Like you mentioned, last week they ran the ball 67% of the time against South Carolina, and I, I mean, who wouldn't, right? When you've got two running backs in your play, er, playing subpar competition in the SEC, you're talking about the plays specifically, just the different types of plays that Texas A&M runs, but you look at the yearly yard shares that they've gotten, the success that they've gotten, most of it still has come on the ground, yep. and it's it's a lot of inside zone read, uh, outside zone read, there's a little bit of power mixed in there as well. They're just running the football in a lot of different ways. Now, like you mentioned, they have forced Zach Calzada to throw, I think, a little bit more than, than the offense really wants him to. But when I look at this Texas A&M team, I'm looking at them and saying they want to try and establish the run game. And if they don't, like you just mentioned, they're in trouble. I think they're going to have some issues. Pro-style offense, 65.9 plays per game is the tempo that you're looking at a little bit here from Texas A&M. This is a prototypical Jimbo Fisher football team with the way in which they play. They're just lighting up and playing football. There's nothing special here. They don't do a whole lot of play action. It's actually a 75-25 split between normal and play action pass. So very little play action in this offense. What you see is what you get out of this group. 13% of their passes are screens. They're not doing a whole lot of screens. Like I said, this is a team that just lines up and plays football. I was shocked by all of those numbers. With that successful as they've been on the ground I thought you would see more of a screen presence and I thought you'd see more play action but as I just said both sides of the ball and all these numbers are from pro football focus both sides of the football this team just lines up and plays you hat on hat and that's worked for them in six games this year and two games it did not and again, like you mentioned, you know, there's not a lot of play action within within this group. And I'm going to be honest, there's not a, really a lot of production from the passing game in general. I believe they're only averaging like almost 210 passing yards per game, somewhere around there. Two of their top four receivers in terms of yards, I believe, are their running backs in a chain and uh, and. Um, Spiller. And Spiller, man, I can't believe I, he completely slipped my mind. But yeah, they're not throwing a lot of screens, and you may have some numbers to reflect this in terms of the average depth of target, but they are throwing to their running backs quite a bit. And they're a throwing lot. to the tight end Jalen Weidermeyer. Uh, he currently leads the team in yards. And then I believe their number one receiver, who has also kind of been used as a running back in the past, Anaya Smith, uh, number zero, he's also a factor in there as well. So they've got talent at the skill position uh, spots. It's just the quarterback's not really taking a whole lot of shots downfield. And it's I feel like it's a very short passing game for A&M. Running backs garner 6.3 targets per game. That's a lot. That sounds like a lot. Feels like a lot. Two of their most targeted players... They're definitely inside the top five, top six targets are their running backs, A-Chain and Spiller. Those guys both have more than 20 targets this season. Their running backs average 6.3 targets per game. So they get their running backs involved, not just in screens, but in designed plays for their running backs out of the backfield. They want these guys to catch the football. In fact, 
Texas A&M's two highest graded receivers on pro football focus are Isaiah Spiller and Devin A. Chain. Those are their two highest graded receivers on this team and their running backs. There you go. And I I don't know. I feel like A&M's got more talent on their roster, you would feel like. Like in terms of just the receivers that they've got outside of Anaya Smith, you'd like to think that Chase Lane or somebody else on this team would be able to kind of get into the It's the, the mix quarterback situation. It's he the, can't distribute the football to a vast array of receivers. Exactly. That's what I was about to say is I think a lot of it comes back to Zach Calzada's inability to distribute the football like you just mentioned. And you look at A&M as an off, uh, their, their offense as a whole. They are currently 13th in the SEC, so next to last in terms of negative play percentage. 9.23% of their plays are negative plays, which sounds like a lot and it is a lot. So, like you mentioned, this offense, they try to run the ball, uh they don't do it well at times and whenever they don't I think this offense has the tendency to stall also you look at Zach Calzada as a quarterback only completing 55 percent of his passes right now I mean it's just not an efficient offense in a lot of different areas still breaking down this passing game it's a balanced passing depth you would be surprised at how much this team attacks the intermediate level of the field with a quarterback that is young inexperienced and doesn't quite have the decision making ability at this point in his career that you would like to see Zach Calzada have. I was shocked to see how much they attacked the field beyond short and behind the line of scrimmage. In fact, it's a 50-50 split there. 51% of the time, they are either short, which means within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage, or it's behind the line of scrimmage. 31.6% of the time, it is short. 20.6% of the time, it's behind the line of scrimmage. But beyond that, 27.8% in the intermediate bracket, 12% deep. So when you break it down that way, it's almost a 50-50 split. It's a very balanced approach from Texas A&M between short, intermediate, and deep passes. And I was shocked to see how much they've been attacking the intermediate bracket because Calzada is struggling, according to Pro Football Focus, on passes between 10 and 19 yards down the field. So kind of that that wheelhouse for successful quarterbacks where you have third and long and you're needing to complete your best quarterbacks are able to dominate in the intermediate game not just in certain in, in one individual bracket the intermediate game is where you can make some things happen in the passing attack and where you can really stretch out some defenses he's completing just 44.8 percent of his passes for four touchdowns and five interceptions a lot of poor decisions and what else is what what else is striking about this passing attack is Calzada is facing pressure 38 percent of the time, which isn't good. Almost two fifths of the time, this A and M pass blocking falls apart, and they're getting pressure on Calzada. But I would say that he's handled the pressure well. It's when he's been in a clean pocket when he has thrown five of his seven interceptions, according to Pro Football Focus. It has been when he is not under pressure that he has thrown the majority of his picks, almost all of his picks, when he has not been under pressure, which tells me that it's a decision-making issue for Calzada, young, inexperienced guy. And once again, I go back to this is an offense that when you break it down with the numbers that we have, they're not doing a whole lot of play action, they're not doing a ton of screens, pretty balanced passing depth. This is an offense that's just lining up, looking to play football, hat on hat, it's straightforward. They're not doing anything to woo you. They are literally, it's simple. They want to line up. They want to get the ball to their playmakers, and that's it. And if Almer can come out here and stop the run on early downs and put Zach Calzada into third and long, which I think is very possible, he's going to struggle based off of what we've seen out of him out of that intermediate bracket. And just 
decision-making trouble. Yeah, I mean, that, you can't carve it up any other way. His stat lines on a week-to-week basis. The last two weeks, they have played horrible football teams. Missouri and South Carolina, last two games. He was like 12 for 25 in both games with a touchdown and a pick. Those are the two worst teams that you have on your schedule. Now, Granny played great against Alabama, but since then, he has not replicated that performance. I think this is definitely an instance where Auburn's probably, they're probably licking their lips a little bit. They probably, the defense probably sees blood in the water. I agree. You look at what this team wants to do from a schematic standpoint right on Saturday, you begin to ask yourself the question, will they elect to run the football as much as they have uh, in in these past couple of games against Missouri and South Carolina, or will they attempt to try and throw the ball a little bit on Auburn, knowing that Auburn likes to give up the dink and dunk type of yardage? It's going to be interesting to see what what A&M elects to do, because again, like you just mentioned, Zach Calzada is not a good decision maker. He's played eight games so far this season. He's only thrown for over 200 yards twice. One of that, one of those games was against Alabama, but he's not had a good game uh, outside of that, at least I don't think, and he's not had a good game since then. Like you mentioned, 13 of 25 against Missouri, 12 of 24 against South Carolina. They're relying on the run game right now, at least in terms of what they're doing in conference. For conference any production, play. that's what they are relying upon. And they're trying to get everything to, to maybe stem off of that, and it's interesting, you know, it's not play action. They're just running the ball, and they're going to throw it on you if they can get a little bit of success going. I just don't know if A&M's got enough tricks in the bag to really surprise Auburn on Saturday in terms of what they want to do schematically. I think Auburn's going to be able to to do some things well in terms of stopping the run, and I think Auburn's secondary is good enough to find a guy like Weidermeyer and Anaya Smith, shut him down. Well, based on what we've seen this year, and the reason why I've gone back to this a couple of times in this segment saying this is that A&M just likes to line up and play football. It's a straightforward approach. I'll take Auburn's guys on defense any day of the week to stop the run against pretty much any team in college football. Mm-hmm. I'll take them. I, 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 I thought Auburn did a fine job against Georgia stopping the run. They gave up some big plays in the passing game downfield, and I think we've seen this team improve even on defense since the Georgia game over the last month. I, I do think that we've seen that, but and it's hard to believe that it's been a month since the Georgia game. It's almost been a month. I can't believe it. Football is flying by. But I like Auburn's guys against A&M's guys on offense. I do. These linebackers are going to be tested. It's great that Owen Papo's back. He came back at the right time. I've got some numbers on why that's important. Majority of the targets are to wide receiver Anaya Smith and tight end Jaylor Weidenmeyer. They're both at about 50 targets. Those guys primarily line up in the slot for Anaya Smith. He's primarily a slot receiver. And then Weidenmeyer will line up in the slot about 40% of the time. The other 60 to 70% of the time, he'll line up attached to the line of scrimmage. So what does that tell you? Auburn's going to have linebackers and their inside DBs tested a lot by those two players. And then they also get to the running back, 6.3 targets per game. That's a lot. Who's guarding those guys primarily? Who's covering those guys? Linebackers and your inside defensive backs. So this game, and I'm curious to see how they use Roger McCreary, if they're going to you know, have him follow Anaya Smith around, even if that puts him in the slot, or if they're going to keep him on the outside. I'm curious to see how Auburn approaches this. They may not move him around. They may opt to just leave him all the way that they've they – keep the defensive lineman the exact same way they've been doing it all season long and just drop into zone coverage I don't think it's going to matter and I'm cool with them dropping into zone coverage my reason for that is I don't think Calzada has the decision making ability to beat these guys on third and long and I think that Auburn is going to be able to line up and just say hey we know you're running the football let's go right exactly. there's no play action worry you can stack the box yeah and again I think a lot of it just comes back to decision making with the quarterback and just the inefficiency inefficiencies overall that extend from that 
whether they want to run the ball, throw the ball, whatever they want to do, I think Auburn's going to be able to to hold this team, I want to say somewhere around 20 points or, or, or under that, I think, in this game, I think is what you're asking from this defense. You look at their points per drive, they score two and a half points per drive essentially per game. The teams that are underneath them, uh, Kentucky, Florida, Mississippi State, South Carolina, and Vanderbilt, they're sitting in the bottom half of the SEC right now with those teams. They're just not an efficient offense. Zach Calzada is not good at making decisions. And their East opponents are Missouri and South Carolina. And these past two games out, outside of this Alabama game, which was the, just a phenomenal world-beating performance that we aren't going to see, I don't think, again this season, they've played where, against two really bad defenses where all they've had to do is essentially run the football to win. And you're not going to be able to do that in this game against Auburn. Auburn's defense is a little bit better than that. They can actually stop the run. So whatever wants to, A&M wants to do in this game, I just don't think they're going to be very explosive against Auburn. And, and at the end of the day, a lot of three and outs potentially. And this is how we've been talking about this Texas A&M team. We knew that they had a favorable schedule in the preseason. We said that if this team could figure out the quarterback play, figure out the offense, then they were going to be really dangerous. But I think you and I both can agree they haven't done that. Mm -hmm. And they've gotten to 6-2 and two on a pretty easy schedule. i got to give them credit for beating Alabama. That's a huge win to pull off that upset. That is a big deal. They honestly, you know, sit, they're, they're at 6-2, and two and you got to give them credit for that. But outside of that, the schedule has not been difficult and that's a big part of them being six and two at this point where you could have said yes this team could have lost to Colorado in week two Colorado is awful absolutely awful you know they have benefited from playing a easier schedule in this league than most I'll still give them credit for beating Alabama but I think this team is a little propped up by that win and by their current record which is supported by an easy schedule I like Auburn in this matchup a lot I don't know why there's been this narrative this week on state radio on national media that Auburn doesn't have the horses to go with these guys what where in the world does that come from well Auburn has ran with pretty much every opponent they've played this year I think that a lot of excuses made by the media uh, at least over these past couple of weeks is that Arkansas was sliding and Auburn caught them at a bad time and Arkansas is not that good of a football team and the excuse for Ole Miss is they were banged up really badly and Auburn came into that game, and they were just simply able to take advantage of it. You look at this Texas A&M game, I think a lot of people are looking at those two aspects and saying, look, Auburn's had success in the SEC recently, but they've done it uh, against competition that's not been 100%, right? And so looking at this Texas A&M game, coupled with the fact that they have a really good defense, A&M does, I think a lot of people are saying, do we trust Bo Nix and this team to get it done again, much less on the road in College Station? And I think a lot of people are looking at that and saying, also, well, this A&M team beat Alabama. But if you dig a little bit deeper into it, I think Auburn has got a legitimate shot not only to just win this game, but if they want to, if they can stop that running game for Texas A&M, I just don't see A&M moving the ball really honestly much at all. Uh, and, and I think Auburn will be able to take control potentially in this game. This is one of those games where you can get a statement win by winning by a touchdown or less, but there is that opportunity there where you could run it up. You could really run it up if you want to, and I think Auburn is not getting a, as much respect as they should in this game. If Auburn blows out Texas A&M, are they going to give Auburn respect or are they going to make excuses? I think they're going to make excuses again. I think they're going to say Zach Calzada is not a good uh, quarterback. 
the offensive uh, offensive uh, inefficiencies for Texas A&M are just you know that we've seen that against everybody, including South Carolina and Texas or in uh, in Missouri. And you know the defense is not as great as we once thought it would be this season. And I think those will be the excuses. And also just like well, Auburn's just kind of scraping by right now against teams that aren't really that good. But I would also po- pose the question: Is there a team in college football this year, maybe outside of Georgia, that's like really really good? And, uh, and maybe it's time to start giving credit to the team that'll have won three out of their last four ranked matchups exactly. and they were all in secession and the other team was favored by four and a half if you're going to favor a&m don't make excuses the next day when auburn's going to be standing on sunday and they're going to be seven to two and a&m's going to be six and three let's head to a break here we'll be back on the other side you're on the line with noah garter and lance dawn espn 106.7 in fox sports central alabama Fun show so far today. It's a report Wednesday here on On the Line. Breaking down the Texas A&M Aggies and what we expect to see from them. I think Auburn's got a really good shot this weekend against the Aggies. I'm very confident. More confident about this game than I was about the Ole Miss game. Let's head to the phone lines now. 334-321-1390. Ed is on the line with us. Ed, how you doing today? Uh, I'm doing pretty good, guys. How are y'all doing? Doing real well. What's on your mind? Uh, well, uh, a couple of, couple of comments. Uh First, uh, on football, I was just going to say, you know, I hope y'all aren't listening to the passive-aggressive Bama fan that comes on before y'all on this show with all his praise for Auburn and stuff and, you know, and how Auburn should win. Auburn, this will be much a much better team than Penn State, okay? And if Auburn... Yeah, as far as somebody just said something, a blowout. It, it, listen, Auburn would be very, very, very lucky to come out of this game with a win. I think Auburn can, but if if you think, I mean, don't don't buy into that, guys. All, Auburn Auburn is going to have a very rough time. A and M has got players. They have got linemen. Uh, their offensive line is, is better than probably anybody Auburn's faced other than Georgia. Uh, I'm just saying, don't 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 get caught up in those guys, and you know the, the Bama guys are giving that pass. Oh, 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 don't get caught up in that, guys. It's going to be a hard game for all War Eagle guys. War Eagle to you too, Ed. Appreciate it. That was Ed on the line with us. Lance, you got a response? Yeah, I'm sipping the Kool-Aid. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm hyped up about this game, man. You know, or coming into this season, I was very negative about the team, right? I was very afraid of how this coaching staff could hurt me as a fan, potentially. And now here we are, 6-2. and two. It's like a typical year of Auburn football where Auburn still has everything out in front of them. I'm looking at this A&M team. I like the points that Ed made. I like the matchup. I'm not saying that it's going to be easy, but right. I like the matchup exactly. for Auburn. I think it plays well to Auburn's strengths. They've got athletes. I think that A&M, in a lot of different spots, I think you could make the argument, is more athletic than Auburn. But in terms of the matchup, what A&M does schematically, they're not going to be a, be able to beat Auburn based off of their schematics. They're not going to be able to beat Auburn just by running the football and throwing to Jalen Widermeyer. And I think Auburn's got some dudes too, man. I think I this Auburn team's playing really well right now. Let's head to the phone lines again, 334-321-1390. We got Matthew with us now. Matt, what's up? Hey, guys. Why are y'all so high on Auburn beating at A&M? Are there any specific reasons that you think is like, or are there any specific reasons that you think that Auburn is going to beat A&M? There's a lot of reasons why I think Auburn's going to beat A and M. Um, do you want me to bullet point? Do you want me to bullet point them off? Uh, I, sure. 
Uh, a, I think Zach Calzada is not a very good quarterback at all. I mean, you look at the last two games against who he played against. He played against two of the worst SEC teams that we've seen in recent memory, and he's going 12 for 24 with a TD and a pick. He's he's not – when they get into third and long, they have trouble. These guys cannot throw the football well at all. They benefited from playing an easy schedule outside of the Alabama game. Um, you even look at what this defense has done. I think it's propped up a little bit statistically by some of the teams that they've gotten to play against. And you break down what this team – that you, you look at their overall stats. It says 3.7 yards per carry allowed per game. But then you look at the teams that are good at running the football that they've played against. Kent State put two, put up 226 rushing yards on these guys. Colorado, 171. Arkansas, 197. Alabama, 153. Like I don't see any reason why Auburn can't do – something that Kent State did, which was over 200 rushing yards, right? I think this A&M team, and this, and this is just scratching the surface from a schematic perspective, A&M is going to come in there and try and run the football. And what is Auburn's, what, what does Auburn do so well on defense? And then stop the run. They're first in the country, or not first in the country, first in the SEC in tackles for loss per game, ninth in the country in, t- in total tackles for loss. I mean, nobody else in the, in the country is as good at getting tackles for loss as Auburn is in the SEC. I mean, that, that, that is spectacular, right? And I, I just don't see Auburn having a hard time with what A&M wants to do schematically in this ballgame. I feel very confident. Gotcha. So, I don't know. I just I, I feel like we should hit the brakes just ever so slightly because this is what we do as Auburn fans. We get ourselves on a roll. We feel like we're on a roll. We have these high expectations, and then these expectations get crushed, and then we feel awful, and we're – Blaming every every person about it, and then we just don't feel good about ourselves. And I feel like we should. I mean, I, I'm I, I I hope we win. I hope we win. But I don't know. I just for some something feels off. I feel like this is. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's never. Brian Hart has never been to A and M. Gus went to A and M. How many times? Seven times? Six times? Anyway, I just feel like we should hit the brakes a little bit. Yeah, I understand that. I, I, but at the same time, I always hate that argument from folks is that, like, I mean, the Atlanta Braves just won a World Series, right? And everybody was freaking out about the Atlanta Braves losing in the postseason because of Atlanta sports history. And Auburn's never lost in College Station either. You know what I mean? This isn't the place that Auburn's had trouble with in the past. So I just don't buy the whole, we're going to get our, we're going to get our feelings hurt. We're going to, you know, our expectations. You know, it's good to have expectations. Auburn fans have been complaining about that for years. Matt, we got to go to a break, my man. We appreciate the call. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. And I can't believe it. We're optimistic about a football game and people disagree with us. <laughs> I can't believe it. Let's head to the phone lines now. We got Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer with us. Justin, how you doing today, my man? I'm doing well. How are y'all? Doing really well. Uh, first, before we get to football and basketball, Atlanta Braves, winners of the World Series. What's that mean to you, my man? No, it's 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 pretty incredible. I mean, I I didn't know that I'd ever kind of see this this moment with the way uh, 
way the Braves have come close and pretty much my whole life. Uh, you know, I was two the last time they won it all. So, uh, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun uh, watching this team kind of go through pretty much everything that a team can go through in a season, all the all the negatives, and still come out and be world champions. Uh, it was a lot of fun, and that's a run in a in a, in a World Series that uh, you know I'm probably going to remember uh, for the rest of my life. Talking some Auburn football with you now. We've had just a couple of calls here in today's show. People kind of pushing back a little bit on our optimism of Auburn going into College Station. I want to take this from a debate perspective first. Let's look at the reasons why Auburn should be optimistic going into College Station on Saturday. I think they should be optimistic because they have the better quarterback in this game. Um, that's kind of where, where, where I'm kind of sitting right now looking at it. You know, A&M... Uh, has a lot of strengths and a lot of you know a lot of reasons we'll get to why they should feel like they could I mean they're favorites for a reason uh, but you look at this you you look at Zach Calzada and he's had one really good game against Alabama but look at those numbers the rest of the year it's not necessarily great uh, the one thing that A&M's done a really good job of for most of the year when they have been good uh, is running the ball and that is the strength of Auburn's defense it's something they've done well against Arkansas and they've done well against you know Ole Miss and a big reason why they won the, those games. So you got two tough defenses up front. Um, you know, I, I like both of these defenses a lot in this game. But, uh, you, know, it kind of, you know, if you look at the most important position on the field, I don't know how you could watch the last month of the season and say that Bo Nix is not playing better football right now than Zach Calzada is. And that could go a long way in a matchup with two, between two teams that, you know, have uh, both pretty good defenses that they're bringing to the table. So why should Texas A&M be confident in College Station? Well, they're at home for one, and and that's you know even though that hasn't really meant much in this series, it, it is something to uh, it is something to you know uh, hold on to if you're A&M, and it should be a pretty excited crowd. I mean A&M, they they're going to need a little help um, because they have two losses. They would need Alabama to lose another game, but like they're still in the hunt for the SEC West title, so. Uh, should be a pretty good atmosphere. Um, they're fresher. You know, we've looked at how much of a difference it was that Auburn was the healthier and fresher team playing against Ole Miss last week. I think A&M's going to feel the same way about this matchup, um, that they got that off week. And, and right now, I mean, like, they 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 went through it really the first month and some change of the season, but really the last month dating back to the Bama win, the, the two blowout wins over two very bad teams that they had since then, and then the off week. Um, they've got a lot of reason to be confident right now. And I think their defense has been better on the whole this season, a little bit more consistent than Auburn is as a whole when they're playing at home. Um, so, yeah, the the kind of line where – I think it's like the old Miss game last week for Auburn. It's like these are two very evenly matched teams, I think, on paper. And just and just like how Auburn got had an edge because they were playing in their home stadium, feel the same way about uh, why A&M is kind of the favorite that they are at this point. Another week, another nickel defense, four-two-five. A lot of what Anim likes to do on that side of the ball. Don't blitz a whole lot. Doesn't seem like they commit a whole lot to the run. Yet they've been, you know, statistically on the year they've been pretty good at it, defending three point seven yards per carry. But I have questions about certain games this year, like Kent State. They go up two hundred twenty-six on the ground. Colorado one hundred seventy-one. Arkansas one hundred ninety-seven. Alabama one fifty-three. I'm curious if this defense is propped up a little bit statistically by some of the really bad teams they've played on on their schedule. Yeah, I think it's the the per carry marks have been 
pretty, you know, consistent. I mean, the games where they struggled this season, they gave up uh, some some things on the ground. So I think that's I think that's something to kind of keep in mind. Um, you know, I think there was a stretch where you felt like Auburn's was kind of getting propped up a little bit, but then the way they played in the first half against Georgia and how they've done against Ole Miss and Arkansas the last two weeks kind of showing you, okay, well, this is a, it's a really good run defense as well. So, yeah, I mean, I think Mike Elko is a great defensive coordinator. Um, that is a defensive line. I mean, A&M under Jimbo Fisher, they haven't been able to put it quite all together just yet. Um, they came very close last season. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with, you know, haven't been able to get the quarterback that kind of can put them over the top, so to speak. But under Jimbo, especially in this run they've had as recruiting, uh, they've recruited really well in the front across the front seven. So, but, you know, that is – that is something that I am keeping an eye on this game because I think they play some fundamentally sound football, uh, and Auburn's going to have to really bring it up front uh, with their offensive line, consistent blocking, um, and, and try to take it to a, to an old uh, to an A and M defense uh, that has definitely had, had had really good performances in that regard this year. This is something that we don't really talk about a whole lot in terms of breaking down a game from a schematic standpoint or anything like that, but special teams could have been an issue for Auburn uh, on Saturday against Ole Miss with the, with the muffed punt and the missed field goal. How important is special teams in this matchup against a team that can stop Auburn, I think at least a little bit, in terms of Auburn's offense getting, or in terms of A&M just kind of forcing Auburn to, uh, to, to, to punt the ball more often than uh, most people think they will? Yeah, I think well, when it comes to punting the ball, uh, Auburn's doing really, really well in that aspect. Uh, that is that is one thing on special teams they did a really good job of. They got told Miss. I mean, Oscar Chapman's been kicking the fire out of the ball this season. Uh, they're fourth in net punting this year, uh, which is pretty outstanding when you when you think about. It. But yeah, I mean, this has got to be a game you know where when you have two very close, evenly matched teams, special teams can help swing the final result. Whether that's on returns, whether it's the mistakes you make on your own returns. And Auburn had a rough game in the return uh, department, uh, you know, against against Ole Miss. Too many penalties on the kicker turns. Demetrius Robertson with the muff. Like they've got to cut those down. They've got to cut those mistakes down. Harson seemed very very upset about that. Harped on it uh, when we talked to him on Monday, uh, you know, and, and didn't mince his words about it. And I think the special team. I mean, this has got to be an area of the game where if you're Auburn, you have to at least hold serve or. Uh, since you're on the road, maybe get you know maybe get a little bit of an edge there as well. And A&M's got some guys that are really good return men, so Auburn's going to be tough in coverage. And coverage hasn't been their issue this year, and they've gotten some blocks. Um, you know, they're the field goal defense, but like or the the special te- the defensive side of special teams, if you were to say. But when you talk about the offensive side, where you talk about you go your own returns, your own field goal attempts, uh, they got to do a much better job of that. This Texas A&M secondary, we talked about the front seven, but the A&M secondary on defense seems to be very impressive as well, and they do commit a lot to that passing game, just giving up a shy under 200 yards per game, opposing quarterbacks are 60% on completions, nine touchdowns, nine interceptions. What are you seeing from the DBs? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a good defensive back room. Uh, it's a good defense, I think, top to bottom. Uh, they don't give up a lot deep, um, you know, and that's something that I know – is kind of the the order of the day in college football when it comes to pass defense. Um, you know, they they remind me a lot of Arkansas on the fact that you know they they've had some really good numbers and and they will challenge you to kind of nickel and dime them and, and see if you can kind of push them up the field in that regard. 
Um, and, and to Auburn's credit, Bo Nix has done that in the last two weeks. He's done a really good job of, of making that start. So um, Auburn's playing well at wide receiver. Guys are getting open. They're hitting uh, – Nix is playing his best ball. But doing that against an A&M secondary that's going to be one of the best you face all season is, is, uh, is a new challenge. This is a kind of a step-it-up kind of game for him. Uh, Ole Miss's defense, not that great. Uh, so, you know, the, the ease of them throwing the ball made a ton of sense. But I think this is a game, if you're Auburn, where if you say, okay, if we can move the ball through the air against these guys, uh, we should feel pretty confident the rest of the way this season. Um, and uh, so, yeah, it's just a – you know, Auburn's playing well through the air these last few weeks. Time to take the game up another level because not only are you playing on the road, you're playing against a really good defense. Time to talk a little Auburn basketball here with Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer. Wendell Green was named the starting point guard yesterday over Zepp Jasper. Is that a surprise for you? And what are you getting out of Auburn's next undersized point guard wearing number one? Yeah, not a surprise to me that Wendell was the starter. I think, you know, Zepp is one of those guys where I think he's going to play that one and that two role and play it enough that even if he doesn't start at two, which I think Katie Johnson probably where people would lean at that point, um, you know, he's going to play starter quality minutes because he's going to be the guy uh, behind both spots. Uh, you know, Wendell Green is a, is a, is a really fun player on offense. Uh, this is a dude who's fearless. He's going to remind a lot of people of Jared Harper because he will want to shoot it from anywhere on the floor. Um, there were some times in the scrimmage where he got late in the shot clock and he was the guy who got the ball back in his hands and did something with it and put a shot up or tried to make something happen on offense. He is, uh, he's, a, he's an initiator and a scorer. Uh, he is kind of everything you want from a point guard and an offensive weapon at point guard in college basketball, except for he just might be undersized. But this system and Bruce Pearl's experience with undersized point guards say you can be a star caliber player in this offense with this team, even if you're not, you know, a tall player uh, at the point position. So a lot, a lot to like about Wendell Green. Um, you know, I'll be interested to see how much his defense evolves, um, you know, over the season. But, I mean, offensively, this is a dude who's going to play with a, with a lot of confidence and try to, uh, you know, not only get his own uh, shot and get his own buckets, but he can create for others with the way he uh, attacks defenses. What should we expect from Auburn's exhibition game this Friday and then also Auburn's season opener against Moorhead State? Yeah, I think from the, from, the, from the exhibition, I think Auburn's going to just try to you know, get the finishing touches on the rotation. They're going to play a little bit more guys than they probably will in the regular season, at least until uh, uh, you know, Alan Flanagan comes back to the team. And that's and that's uh, that's not surprising by any means, and that's something that I think um, you know it'll be interesting to see how they want to you know manage the minutes uh, at the two and at the three, and how much is you know how much does a guy like Jalen Williams get on the floor compared to a Jabari Smith, and Walker Kessler, and how you figure all that. So this is about putting the finishing touches on the rotation. Um, I think this is going to be about playing really good defense um, because Pearl was not happy about the defensive effort. Uh, in the exhibition, and then when you get to the opener uh, next Tuesday, it's going to be all right. This is what it looks like for real. Um, Warhead State is not a pushover uh, completely. Um, this team made the NCAA tournament last year, and uh, you know if you don't play, if you don't play a good, you know, energetic, clean brand of basketball, they could come in here and beat you. Um, so that's going to be a key for for a team that's learning how to play with one another. So I think you're going to see a lot of the operational stuff and a lot of the rotation. Uh, kind of start to get settled a little bit more, uh, you know, in the the exhibition. And then, you know, the opener, I think it's going to be, okay, what does this now look like against the D1 team? Um, you know, what do we got to work on here early in the season before we get to play 
some of the more important games of the year because I think, like as Bruce Pearl said, multiple times this offseason, it's going it's to take a while for these guys to kind of completely gel on the floor uh, just because there's so much, so many new pieces. They're talented, but they're, they're very, very new with one another. Justin, appreciate you taking the time to speak with us today. Tell everybody where they can find you. Hey, AuburnObserver.com. Uh, check it out there. $6 a month, $60 a year. Gets you access to everything we've got going on in a newsletter format. Uh, so you get emailed a story or a podcast pretty much every day of the week. Um, you've had stories this week on Auburn's tight ends from the Ole Miss game. Uh, one yesterday, today, uh, yeah, one yesterday on the uh, on the run defense and how big that's going to be against A and M this weekend. Did a story today on Zeb Jasper for basketball, and we'll have more stuff throughout the week as we get closer to the start of basketball season and, of course, the A and M game this weekend. So AuburnObserver.com, sign up there. Justin, I appreciate it, my man. I hope you have a great afternoon. Yeah, y'all too. Thank you. That was Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer. We're going to step aside here for just a moment, and we'll be back to wrap up hour number one. Wrapping up hour number one of On the Line, Lance Daw, Noah Gardner here with you on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. If you want to call in, tell us why we shouldn't be so excited about Auburn beating Texas A&M this week. 334-321-1390 is the number to dial, or you can text us at 334-564-1840. I'm not, hit, I'm not uh, hating on Matt there. I do really appreciate the call. And I also want to, before we continue to break down Texas A&M schematically, I want to kind of say something about his phone call. I was just talking with somebody yesterday about the Texas A&M game and talking about how, you know, the narrative is out there with Auburn. They're 6-2. and two, They're heading into November. They control their own destiny. All these different things that we've seen from Auburn before. And I said, you know, it's it's the same circumstance that Auburn's heading into this weekend with Texas A&M, but it's a different group of people that's leading it. And so my question is very similar to Matt's is like, are we going to be able to do it again with it with a new coaching staff and, and all these different external factors? It's like, is this Auburn team? Are they just another team of destiny? And so I think that's a question that's definitely fair to ask. But also the reason that I'm so excited about it is not because I'm caught up in Auburn winning now, because I am aware of the fact that it could all go away this weekend. I just look at the matchups and I think Auburn should be favored in a lot of different areas. And talking specifically now before we wrap up our number one of the show about this defense, A&M, if we're going to give a reason why Auburn could lose this game, I think they have a pretty stout defense. Now, is it a Georgia-level defense? No, but I think it's better than average, at least in the SEC. Is Auburn good? I want to go back to what you just said. I want to ask you that question. Is Auburn good? I think they are, yes. Why? Because they've proven it multiple different times in the SEC this season, on the road, and then against a couple of different top 25 teams. Who's better than Auburn? In the SEC? Yeah. Uh, let's see. They're uh, Alabama, Georgia. And I think I think it stops there. Who's so, Auburn beaten this year in the SEC? They have beaten Ole Miss. They have beaten LSU, Arkansas. Uh, who am I missing here? Ole Miss. Ole, Ole Miss. That's <laughs> the, the important one, I would think. Uh, yeah. LSU, Ole Miss, and Arkansas, right? Yeah. My point is Auburn has taken every punch thrown at them, and they've, and they've passed it in a commanding fashion. They just beat two of who people thought was really good in the SEC by more than 10 points. More than 10 points in both of them. You know what I mean? Like, I, I understand the whole team of destiny argument and how everything could come crashing down. It, but but I want to ask you this. Is this team good? I think they are. I think they are. I think they've come a long way since September. And if they're good, then it's not going to come crashing down. Right. If you're good, you are going to win the games that you should. Yep. And I mean, sure, upsets happen. 
But all this, it's okay to have expectations. Right. This is what we've all wanted. We've all wanted, you know, Brian Harson earlier today, and granted, you and I have said that it's a children's playground to play in College Station. I get that. But Brian Harson asked today, Auburn undefeated in College Station. He said, we don't talk about that. You know why? They're focused on each game individually and every year is different. And all that stuff that's happened in the past doesn't matter. All that stuff in the past doesn't matter. Is Auburn good? Yes, they are good. It's okay to have expectations because they're expecting it inside that clubhouse, and you should too. Exactly, and that's what I'm saying is like, sure, Auburn may be an underdog in this game, but based off of what I'm looking at, it's a close game, and not only that, I think Auburn will go out there and prove that they are the better football team, and there's a lot of different numbers and a lot of different things that we've seen on tape to reflect that this is not just a feeling about this team. It's not just a feeling about where this team could go. It's just what I've seen so far this year. Like you mentioned, they beat two teams that everybody thought was going, they were going to be competitors in the SEC West, Saturday down south for about a month now at the beginning of their podcast when they go to recap the, the weekend in the SEC. It's like, well, we have to ask the question. Who's the second best team in the SEC West? Is it Auburn? Is it A&M? Is it Ole Miss? Is, is it Arkansas? And slowly as the weeks have gone by, the answer has come down to it looks like it's Auburn. Or it, Alabama. Or Alabama. Who knows? We still have to figure that out yet. Is Auburn the best team in the SEC West? So they've definitely gone out and proven it so far this season. And I'm just expecting them, based off of statistics and things that I've seen, that they will continue to do so. Now, I will say again... A&M is not a bad football team. I think good, it's okay. That can be true. But right. Auburn can still go out and beat good teams. It is very much so on the table that Auburn loses this game, but I don't think it's going to happen. Tell me why. Defense. Talk to me about their defense. We'll They're, get to that. Report well, Wednesday. Fantastic numbers that you put out earlier talking about A&M's ability to stop the run. It's like, well, they may be pretty good at stopping the run. At least it seems like on the surface, but you look at what they've done against specific opponents that are actually good at, at running football. Like you mentioned, Kent State, Arkansas, Alabama, and now they're facing a team in Auburn that's got two healthy, healthy running backs. I know they've had issues running the ball in SEC play so far this season, but they, they were able to run the ball efficiently against Ole Miss. And uh, I still think in different areas they were able to run the ball well against Arkansas. So you would like to think that while Auburn may not run for 200 on the ground this weekend, Tank Bigsby or Jarquez Hunter will have somewhat uh, of a successful day on the ground. Texas A&M is fooling you. Are they talented? Yes. Are they insufficient in key areas? Yes. And is this team statistically propped up right now? by the last two weeks and a relatively easy schedule up to this point yes right and all that can be true and it can still also be true that you can give them credit that they beat alabama that they played a really good ball game against alabama but what this team has been all year long is inconsistent and you just don't know what you're going to get on any given saturday from them but what you've gotten is inconsistency from them and we've seen what they can be against alabama but have they been that any other week outside of that? No, they haven't. So what what tells you that this all of a sudden is going to be that game, right? Right. And it could be that game. I just I'm not and I'm not saying that Auburn's 100% going to win this game, right? It's okay for me to pick Auburn in this one, but I'm confident. I like Auburn in this one. Does Brady's shaking his head left and right, but I just don't understand how folks can disagree with the optimism on this one i'm trying to figure out where a&m's come from right <laughs> that's what i'm saying is like sure we could trip up sure we could lose this game but a&m's not rolling into this game as some powerhouse who's auburn beaten in their last two games they've beaten arkansas and almost two top 25 teams at least at the time who's a&m beaten south carolina missouri two of the worst teams in the sec 
Let's head to a break here. Hour number two coming up. Live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn on ESPN 1067 or online on FoxSports983.com and ESPNAU.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Daw. Join the show by calling in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7500. Hour number two of On the Line, Lance Daw, Noah Gardner here with you on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. If you want to call in to the show, 334-321-1390 is the number to dial, or you can text us at 334-564-1840. I want to remind everybody also that you can go and find the podcast, our podcast, wherever you get your podcast. If you miss any of the show, any of this second hour, make sure to go do so. Leave us a, a review, subscribe. We would really appreciate that. Speaking of the phone lines, let's get to them. 334-321-1390. And Ed is back on. What's going on, Ed? Hey, guys. I was just going to clarify, uh, say a couple of things. First off, to clarify what I said earlier. Uh, you know, before I got on, somebody, you know, he, somebody mentioned about if Auburn could really run up the score on Texas, and I was trying to tell y'all how good, that Auburn had a very, a, a much better opponent than the Penn State team that beat them. I did not say that Auburn's going to lose this game, or I expected them to lose this game. Uh, you know, I'm going to pull for Auburn like I do every time. But let me tell you. Uh, let me just ask you, if, you, if you think Alabama wins out, do you think they deserve in the Final Four if they win out everything? You mean like like they beat Auburn too? Yeah, yeah, everything. I think so. Uh, the championship, everything. If Alabama wins out, do they deserve to be in the Final Four? Yeah, I, I would say so. Okay, and now you're dissing the team that beat them. Te- okay. Well, I mean, I, I think if that's – see, the law of syllogism, though, lead uh, – Ed doesn't apply though. Like A&M played a great game against him, but also think outside of the other eleven games though that. No, 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 no! You can't change your dang. You can't do it like that, buddy. Yeah, you can. I mean, I think A&M played an exceptional game against him, but I also think A&M hasn't played that well since then. You know, like A&M played a great game that week, but that doesn't mean that they're like that every week. What? what? They have got much. Why do you think Alabama wins a lot of games? They're talented. You know, talent. Okay, Texas A and M is right there with Georgia and Alabama as far as talent. Boy, just just y'all just need to dead gum. Hold up a second, and let me tell you, I'm just saying it's going to be a tough game. Okay, that's all I said. I did not say Alabama. Uh, you know, Texas A and M was going to you know, walk over us or whatever. But y'all are sitting there acting like Texas A&M is nothing. And then you're sitting there saying said. that Alabama will, will win the national championship or get in the Final Four. And then you're saying that it doesn't mean anything that Texas A&M beat Alabama. Texas A&M run, also run, lost run, to Arkansas and run, Mississippi run, State run. earlier in the week. And also we said 
earlier in the show that Texas a and is not a pushover. They're really athletic. They're very talented. And we both said multiple times, we leave the door open for a Texas A&M win this weekend. It's just that we are very optimistic based on the statistics and based off what we've seen so far this season that Auburn's going to go out there and win this game. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Uh, well, I'm not saying anything's wrong with that. I'm saying before I called initially, y'all were sitting there talking about how many points Auburn could beat them by and running up the score and all this and disrespecting Texas A&M, like, and listening to the show that comes on before you. And, and, and all that kind of crap, is it's all totally bull. Texas A&M is the best team other than Georgia that Auburn has faced. And, and you know, and they beat Alabama, who you just said would probably get in the Final Four. So how you can dismiss? You also them said that if they win out, and I'm not sure if Alabama's winning out. Ed, we appreciate the phone call. That was Ed on the line with us. We appreciate the call, Ed. And uh, you know, I I respectfully disagree with Ed. I do, and I don't think you could cherry pick results there about if. You know, I don't. I don't think you could cherry pick results saying that. Well, A and M beat Alabama. It's like, well, A and M also, as you said, Lance lost to Mississippi State and Arkansas, two teams that Auburn beat. Yeah. So again, just to or kinda, one team that Auburn to, beat. To wrap up thoughts here, what I was saying earlier in the show about Auburn potentially running up the score is they could go out there and continue to make statements. What What's wrong with beating a team and expecting them to go out there and win? whenever you have just beaten two of the best opponents in the SEC West by double digits, as you mentioned earlier in the show, Noah, there's nothing wrong with having optimism and saying A&M is a good team, but they don't match up well with Auburn. It's like you look in March Madness, right? You've got your, your, you've got your Dukes of the world, and they come in, and man, they are talented. They're going to win this tournament, at least according to national media, and then they get upset by an Iona, by a South Carolina, by some random team. And It doesn't like, mean that that team's all of a sudden better than them. Exactly. It doesn't mean that Iona is the national champion because they will eventually lose to a Kansas State or somebody like that. It's just on that given day, they didn't match up well with that program. So you look at this game against Auburn with Texas A&M and you say, sure, they beat Alabama. They had the talent and they were focused and they were able to go win that game at home. I think it's very irresponsible to, to look at that game and say, well, Texas A&M is going to do that Auburn as well because they weren't able to do it against Mississippi State at home. It's just, again, it's the matchups. It's just not – it's just right now what we're looking at, and that's why we break it down on the show schematically, whenever we see Auburn's not favored against Arkansas, you know, the game's really tied against Ole Miss in terms of odds and stuff like that. We look at the game and we have to break it down schematically and say, no, we think Auburn's going to win this game. Because of what the numbers reflect, because of what the tape reflects, because of what the schematics reflect. And so you look at this game against A&M, again, I want to repeat myself. I am not saying one way or another that this is going to be a blowout or A&M doesn't have a shot or anything like that. I'm just saying, based on what we've seen, A&M can't run the ball effectively in the SEC uh, outside of Missouri and South Carolina. They don't have an efficient offense, and that defense has been prone to, at times this season to give up a lot of rushing yards. And so what I'm saying is I'm looking at this team, and I'm, I'm looking at Auburn, looking at the way they're playing right now. They've just come off two wins against top 25 opponents. Granted, they got blown up by Georgia earlier in the season, but Georgia's probably going to do that to a lot of different teams. You look at this Auburn team right now, they've got some momentum. So I'm really excited about it as a fan, but I'm taking that out, and I'm just looking at the numbers alone, and I'm saying I leave the door open. Again, I leave the door open for an A&M win. But 
I like Auburn in this game, and I think they're going to go out there and they're going to maybe win by 10 or so. And I'm also leaving the door open for a potential blowout because I don't think A&M's quarterback's that good. I mean, it's just it's just that's the way I perceive it. I agree with you. Everything you said there, you hit the nail on the head. I just think it's I, it's, it's mind-boggling to me. Talking good about Auburn. Talking positive about Auburn. Which, by the way, I don't know if I've done enough of on this show, especially in the off season. I've been the one carrying the. I've been the one pulling the wagon all year long, yeah. Lance. <laughs> I've uh, I've not been the most positive person because I I do approach it the, the these games very much so as a fan usually. But whenever we do shows like this, whenever we're just looking at the numbers, it's like there's a lot of different areas where you can say that Auburn should have at least have a shot, and that's what I'm saying is. You look at all the external factors, and you and you and you add everything together. It's not just the numbers. It's like, man, Auburn's got a shot. And is is Auburn not as talented as Texas A and M? They are, if absolutely. not more. Yeah, absolutely. Like, are are we looking at Auburn's guys right now, saying, oh yeah, they don't have dudes right now? Right. It's they're like, playing really well. You can I understand the they beat Alabama argument, but it's this is a team that fluctuates, right? In college football, a lot of things have been fluctuating this season. You can't really pin down a certain team based off one performance like you mentioned earlier. You can't 2019 Auburn. It. Auburn beat Alabama but lost to four other teams that year, exactly. like Minnesota. Exactly. Got manhandled by Minnesota. So is Minnesota better than Alabama that year? No. No. No, they're not. <laughs> no, they're not. So, again, it's just like you can't cherry-pick results. And I, and I think it's fair to say, well, they beat Alabama. But, again, this also this team has seen the lows of scoring 10 points against Arkansas. How about this? 2017, Auburn destroys Georgia at home, goes and plays Georgia in the SEC championship, and gets destroyed. It's like you can't. You want to see what one team looks like one week and how right. different they can be another week? That's college football. I'm looking at this A&M team and I'm seeing the entire picture of what they've looked like across the entire year. Are they talented? Could they beat Auburn at home? Yes. Do I think they will? No. You see way more of this in college basketball, but it's like you can't pull a definitive from one single performance. No. It's like looking at that Georgia-Clemson game earlier in the year. We were like, let's hold off on a lot of different things because we are only one week in. But Georgia does look good, and we'll just have to see what Clemson does. We, we, were, we were not picking Clemson as a 4-4 four and four team in the ACC or whatever they are right now. It's just like, again, you have to let the season play out. You have to see all the games played. And at the end of the day, you, you, you can make predictions, and that is fun. Wait, hold on. Clemson must be better than Auburn because exactly. Clemson only lost to Georgia by 7 and Auburn lost by 24. Exactly. So, again, it's like you can't pull, you can't pull one specific game and, and draw conclusions for the entire season. That's why the games are. That's why there are multiple games played. So again, in this matchup against Texas A&M, I'm just excited because I see the numbers. I have watched A&M in per, or not in person. I've watched them on television this season. I'm just like, dang, Auburn's got a good defense. They've beaten two top 25 teams this season. I could see them going winning on the road. And based on the way that A&M's offense is playing, I could see them winning by a, quite a bit. That quite a bit being like 10 to 21 points. It's not like they're going to win by 30. Why is it Stanford number four in the college football playoff rankings because right they now? they beat Oregon. <laughs> they beat Oregon. That is true. And we will get to that. We will, we will actually get to the college football playoff rankings later on in the show. I'm here to say that Stanford should be the number four ranked team in the country. They beat Oregon and Oregon beat Ohio State. You know, by transitive property, UConn's better than Alabama. And you have to get through like 30 different matchups. <laughs> we could get there. I got yeah, I got I got it on my phone. We can read it off for you. Uh but yeah, again, it's just like there is let's let's be fair. There is a there is a point where optimism becomes irrational, right? But I don't think this is. 
I think we're just literally just they're both six and two. Right. It's like we're 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 looking at numbers. We're just looking at at the 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 different performances, and we're just saying, man, Auburn could go out there and win this game. And if A and M is not able to score, which they haven't been able to against a couple SEC teams this season, who knows? Who knows? Report Wednesday here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Of course, I don't know why that drew a blank there, but looking at the Texas A and M defense. 425 nickel defense i have questions about it i think it's propped up i think that this texas a&m team is fooling people i really do and folks may disagree with me on that fine but i said that about arkansas i was right look at them five and three Ole miss loses to auburn this week i mean we've been right about this auburn team up to this point and against their opponents that they've been playing they have been they've handled their business so now auburn playing Another team, Texas A&M, who's had the benefit of playing a relatively easy schedule. I think some of their numbers are propped up a little bit, and I like Auburn from a from from a, from an offensive standpoint. Attacking A&M, if there is a weakness on that defense, I do think it's stopping the run. I'm not saying that they're bad at it, but I'm just saying I think it's an area where Auburn might be able to exploit it and get it going. I break down the numbers here for you against teams that like to hang their hat on running the football. Kent State, 226 rush yards were allowed. Colorado. 171 arkansas 197 alabama 153 they won some of those games they lost some of those games well they only lost one of those games so they, they lose one of those games and they go three and one across that stretch and they gave up a lot of rushing yards gave up some points in those ball games they gashed and them on the ground auburn all of a sudden auburn can't do that why can't auburn do that i i, I think that auburn has the opportunity to do that but you also look at what auburn's been doing in sec play and I just think that, you know, Hunter may not be able to get it going in this game, but Tank could. Absolutely, Tank could. I definitely, like, uh, to answer your he question. He was great this past Saturday. To answer your question, I don't know if they will, but there's definitely an opportunity for Auburn to do so. The nickel defense at any one point, all right? You got four guys on the front, and you got two guys in the second level of linebacker. You got six guys in the tackle box. Auburn's going to run the football to one side of the field, left or right, right? The way that you evaluate if you've got numbers blocking, you cut the field in half and you count up how many linemen you have on that side of the field that you're running to, including the center. So say Auburn has a tight end attached to the right side of the line of scrimmage. You have four blockers on the line of scrimmage, right? If you're in a single back set, if you've got a fullback, which Auburn goes to a time or two in the I formation, you'll have five blockers because the fullback counts, right? How many players are blocking on that side of the field in the run scheme? And if A&M is in the nickel defense and you cut the field in half, how many guys are going to be on any one side of the field at any one point if they have four down linemen and two linebackers? How many are going to be on any one side of the field at any one point? It's going to be three, right? Three. Four beats three, Lance. That's why I think Auburn – and I'm not getting on you. I'm I'm kind of more fired up in this segment as a whole. That's why I think Auburn's going to be able to run the ball on these guys because what does Auburn like to do? Auburn likes to get numbers into the box when they run the football. What did we see so often this past week against Ole Miss? We saw them put tight ends on the line of scrimmage. We saw them go to the I formation a lot. We saw Auburn get under center a ton this past weekend, more than I feel like we've seen across the entire course of the season. They're doing that to get numbers in the box and to get a head start for the running back out of the backfield. People should be absolutely adoring what Auburn is doing right now on the offensive side of the ball to help set up this rushing attack with success. They added some new wrinkles into it as well for their quarterbacks. They're finally running Bo Nix a little bit more. We saw that several times, both of which were touch. One of which was a touchdown, the other of which was a key first down pickup. From a schematic standpoint, that's what I'm getting at right here. This isn't even numbers. This is football. This is an X, this is X's and O's. 
A&M's going to come out and be in the nickel a lot. I don't think they're going to stack the box as much. You know why they can't stack the box as much? Because Auburn's going to be able to throw it to one of those tight ends at some point this game. Exactly. And Auburn's been throwing the ball effectively. Now you have to respect both sides of it. And AM really hasn't committed to the run a whole lot this year against anybody that they've played. Why? Because they do have a pretty good front. But still, and what did we see out of Auburn time and time again over the last couple of years with Kevin Steele, who ran the nickel a heavy amount of times? What happened? Auburn got beat on the run. Minnesota right. did it to them in 2019. Alabama ran all over them in 2019. Last year, everybody ran all over Auburn. They ended up putting 300 yards almost on Auburn. Why? Because Auburn was in the nickel and didn't have numbers in the box. A&M, likewise, may not have numbers in the box to be able to handle the amount of blockers that Auburn's going to put out there to try and run this football. Exactly. And I also, I think they're... An argument to that would be Arkansas ran a similar look and Auburn only had like 135 yards rushing. So with the better athletes for A&M. I also think they stacked the box against Auburn in that game. Right. But if 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 A&M is going to do a similar or is going to play a similar defense with better athletes, will Auburn be able to to run the ball as effectively? And I think an argument to 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 that point would be, look, Auburn managed to score more points against Arkansas than they did against Georgia State. It's like you can't, you, again, you can't draw definitives from single-game performances. So you look at this A&M team, it's like, sure, Auburn might have not been able to get it done against Arkansas on their 4-2-5 consistently, but there's reason to believe that they will be able to do it against A&M because Auburn's been running the ball effectively for a couple of weeks now, and, you know, you, you, again, you can, just can't draw conclusions from one specific game. So I'll, I, I think the A&M defense boosted a little bit by some of the last two teams that they've played. But is it talented? Yes. Yes, I think it is a talented defense. I'm not saying that they're not. I'm just saying I like Auburn's, I like Auburn's shot. I, like, I think they've got a good chance, man. Also, a quest, question I wanted to ask you. Do you think Auburn has a better offense than Arkansas? Yes. Do, they, do you think they have a better offense than Mich- uh, Mississippi State? Yes. Do you think they have a better offense than Missouri? Yes. South Carolina? Yes. Well, there you go. Alabama? Throw them in there as well. No. No? Okay, so four out of the five teams that A&M has played in SEC play, we think that Auburn has a better offense. Then I think the question now comes down to, does Auburn have a better defense to te- than Texas A&M? Because if we're not... if we're Statistically, not- they are on level footing. Auburn in right. conference play has given up 24 points per game. A&M has given up like 22.4. Right. Right? They're not that far apart. And, and you just brought up all those teams break down those those defenses that A&M has played against this point. Arkansas has given up over 30 points a game in conference play. So, Missouri, South Carolina, all in the same boat. They haven't played anybody, Paul, I'm very other than glad, Alabama. I'm very glad you asked that because before the show even started, I went and looked. A&M, like I mentioned, has played five teams in the SEC so far this season. And those five teams are Arkansas, Mississippi State, Alabama, Missouri, and South Carolina. Those team can, teams combined give up an average 28.9 points per game. It's not a good defense. Like you mentioned, they're getting propped up in different areas. And that's an SEC play. That's not counting Colorado, New Mexico, and Kent State. That's not counting those defenses as well. Yeah, I just I, uh, I don't get why all of a sudden we walked into this week in the narrative. And it's not just from calls that we've gotten today. I think it's I think it's I think it's national media too. Auburn it's this is another game that apparently Auburn can't win. This is uh, I will say again though, it's fair to be to be cautious. Because it is a team on the road, right? It's a talented team on the road that has beaten Alabama, but you've got to look at everything. And sure, if you look at everything and you come to the conclusion that a and is still going to win this game, I'm not mad at you. It's just it's not reasonable to come attack somebody for being positive because they're looking at numbers and looking at schematics and saying, I think Auburn's got a shot to win this game or potentially run it up because A&M's offense is objectively not good. 
Let's head to a quick break here. And when we come back, it's making headlines on On the Line. Back on On the Line, Lance Dawn, Noah Gardner here with you on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. You know, speaking of the podcast, as we were talking about in the in the previous segment, man, I really hope that segment is in the podcast when we upload it later on, y'all. If you missed it, you're, you're going to want to go back and listen to it. Let's get to our Making Headlines segment here, at least some of the headlines, uh, before we head to break once more. The Atlanta Braves, they did it, guys. They won the World Series in six games over the Houston Astros. And, uh, hey, man, what a fantastic series, Sting. Uh, would you like to would you like to explain why the Houston Astros lost? Because I if the, if there is ever a a fan or a person to ask, Lou, it, who serves? <laughs> if there's ever a person to ask after a loss like that, it is somebody that is rational and is a fan of the team that lost. So, staying hit us. Oh, I'm flattered that you said I'm rational. <laughs> Well, the pro- I, was, I mean, there are some there will there are some fans out there that after their team loses, get completely irrational. The winners yeah. write history. Why are we asking the loser here what happened? <laughs> well, because we I'm, won, we dominated four zero. Braves win in four. It's over. Close the history book. Classes is, class is over. That's true. You could say that. Based off of what we've seen from Sting today, he seems to be handling the loss a lot better than I thought. Somebody that had a team. I've in the had World time would. to process it, um, and. Something that I read that kind of made me chuckle in like a self-loathing way was um, if you had told me before this series started that the problem for the Astros was not going to be the pitching but the offense, I would have called you crazy. I would not have ever – it never even occurred to me that I should be concerned about the offense. Right. I went into this series worried about how the Astros pitching was going to be uh, because they're down two starters, really three starters because Zach Greinke – only I, I guess he did pitch four innings in game four, I believe. But that's still not a usual starter load. So the offense just completely disappeared. You are not going to win a playoff series, much less a World Series, if you score a total of four runs in the four games that you lose. Right. And getting shut out in two of those. So that's simply what happened with yeah. the Astros. Noah, what were your thoughts? I was really impressed with – go ahead. Hey, I was I was also I was impressed with I'll tell you what I was impressed with 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 the way that Atlanta was able to battle back uh, whenever whenever they would potentially uh, it would look like they would get into a slump at least in terms of offensively and all of a sudden it'd be like oh there's a home run from Solaire oh there's Freddie Freeman oh there's uh, there's uh, there's uh, Eddie Rosario doing his thing they were able just to continue to fight back and that's the that's the uh, that's what championship teams do and it was impressive to see from a team that only won 88 games this season to to have that sort of firepower it's like even when things got rough it's like man they were right back in it set of the phone lines 334-321-1390 we got Ty on the line with us Ty how's it going man Oh man, guys, what a great day. Um, I really, I'm really hesitant to call out a <laughs> stick on Friday and go catch a parade. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm a lifetime Braves fan. I remember baseball being my first, um, first love. I mean, I, I, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I cannot tell y'all how upset I was. I already had, I didn't have all star game tickets because that wasn't my favorite thing. I had home run derby tickets. That was growing up as a kid. I can just remember King Griffey and Frank Thomas and Barry Bonds and, and just all those guys going at it at, on, on the home run derby. It was just one of my 
I just I, that's just one of the things I loved, and, and just to lose that this year, I mean that sucks. Um, but man, what what a way to replace it with a, with a World Series game, you know, and, and a clinch and, and clinching um, that last night. I mean, um, it's just awesome, you know. Um, you know, I hate the Yankees more than anything. Growing up, uh, they beat us in '96. I cried then. I cried again when we traded David Justice to them. I swear, I think that was like the most backstabbingest thing I've ever felt in my life, uh, as far as sports. Um, but I did, I did read something I wanted to uh, share with you guys um, about Hammer and Hank. Um, so they, so I, somebody wrote it, and I'm just paraphrasing and copying. So, but they said that this was all written. This was all back in January when Hammer and Hank passed away. He had us on. He had us. He had us taken care of. So the first team that we faced. The, the Brewers is who drafted Hank and who he ended his career with, actually. The second team was the Dodgers. Um, that was the team he hit the 7-15 home run again. The third team, obviously a lot of people already know this, but was the Astros and Dusty Baker, who was on deck when he hit his 7-15. And the, I think a thing that ties it all together is you got Freddie Freeman hit the solo home run. It didn't mean anything but lifetime braver and, and really our, our cornerstone you know, at our franchise. He used that solo home runs to bring the grand total of runs scored in the World Series to 44. And, I, I, you know, I mean, that's, it's just some storybook stuff, man. I enjoyed it. I went to game six and saw them clinch against the Dodgers. Um, that was one of the coolest things. I think that I think I told you all this, but the only thing I could compare it to was the kick six in 17. And, and also when we beat Alabama and rushed the field in 17, that's the only other atmosphere that I've ever been a part of that was anything close. Uh, just a good day, guys. I mean, just a good day to be a brave. You know what I mean? I do, and I hope you're able to get off work on Friday, my man. <laughs> so, hey, so again, you know, everybody, you know, some people are all, you know, hey, let's celebrate the win. You know, real sports fans and real real, real fans, all right, well, what about next season? What we got next season? So my question to you is, um, who do the Braves keep next year and who goes, um, who goes to the free agency and who do we get rid of and trade? Um, my uh, my answer to the question is I think we're going to keep Solaire. We let Rosario. I think he's going to want too much money. And uh, we're a little cheap in that aspect. So I think Rosario walks. Um, and here's the bad thing. Um, you know, not really I say bad thing, but, you know, where where does Ozuna fit in? He's, we still owe him fifty million, man, and, and you know baseball contracts are guaranteed. So I mean, he's going to get fifty million from us unless they find him. You know, you know the charges were downsized, so we we can't really just cut him and and use that against him. You know, so I mean, we've got to pay the man and got to play him. So just uh, I don't know who we all keep, man, but I, I say so. Let starting outfield: Soler, Acuna. Um, hey, Ty, we got to head to a quick break, my man. All right, man. Appreciate you, bud. We'll be back with more of On the Line on the other side of this break. Hate to cut him off there, but uh, we'll, we'll be back in just a moment talking more Braves. Back on On the Line, Lance Daw, Noah Gardner here with you on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Let's get back to the phone lines. Really hate to uh, cut tie off, and we'll get back to Braves talk in just a little bit, but 334 321 1390 is the number to dial, and Brett is on the line with us. Hey, Brett, how you going? Hey, guys, doing good. Um, 
Let me try and help Edward out here. Um, Texas, first, Texas A&M is not as talented as Alabama or Georgia, and it's, it's not even close. It's it's not. Somebody wants to say they beat them. Well, yeah, well, we beat Alabama in 17 and 19, and nowhere near as talented as they did. So throw that out the window. If anything, that they could win because they at home and they had the week off. But this thing about, yeah, they beat Alabama. Well, look, I'm not one of these ones who think as of right now that Auburn is going to beat Alabama. However, if Alabama comes to Auburn and Bryce Young hits uh, the running back high with the ball and they fumble, if he throws a wild interception from the two-yard line, if they throw, throw three wild passes, don't even try to run from inside the three, they, do, they have two guys who don't even come close to filling their lanes on a kickoff. Mm-hmm. And Bo Nix, who has thrown over 70% three times this year and is over 60% for the year, throws for 67%. I, I'd pretty much go ahead and bet some money. And I, I don't bet on anything unless it's like the sun coming up. <laughs> at, at Texas A&M's quarterback, yeah, he, th- he had an extremely good game against Alabama, 67%. But in all the other games this year, he's for the whole year, he's 55%. The only other game he's 60%, he was 12 of 20 for a whopping 135. So basically through bubble screens, uh, bootlegs, and a couple down and outs, and that's it. The guy's not a good passer. He also throws – he's thrown seven interceptions already, and he, he's not a high-volume thrower. So, you know, the, the guy's not a good passer. So, yeah, I'll – for Edward, if he throws for 67% and about 300 yards against Auburn, Auburn better go ahead and just crank the bus up and go. But I kind of doubt that's going to happen. Last thing, y'all were talking about who ran the ball on A&M. Let me tell you the teams that they stopped running the ball. Go for it. New Mexico, Mississippi State, who doesn't even try to run the ball, Missouri, Missouri couldn't run the ball against Alabama State, I don't think. And South Carolina. South Carolina has a good running back, but they're not running the ball well. So those are the teams that they stopped running the ball. I'll tell you, Brett, you just summed up everything that I wanted to say, and you did it a lot better than I did. Appreciate it. That was Brett on the line. I didn't mean to get him off the phone I line. Did, I, I didn't did. mean to do that. I, I was enjoying it. I wish he continued to preach it. That yeah, was I was awesome. like, please, please tell me more, Brett. Uh, yeah. lay, lay it on Edward real quick. But yeah, uh, everything that he just said could not phrase it much better. And also, again, I want to go back to him talking about, you know, A&M is not as talented as Georgia or Alabama. I wanted to say that to Ed earlier, and I'll reiterate again. You know, there are things like March Madness, and you see teams like Duke that are, that are it's like you, you cannot argue they are objectively one of the most talented teams in the field. And then they will run into a random team that they will lose to. And it's because, it's because of the matchups, and it's because the team was hot on that day. And you look at that Alabama game, Brett laid it out perfectly, all the different little things that had to go right for Texas A&M to win that game by three. It's it, you look at this game with Auburn and it's just like man, unless A and M just 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 plays out of their mind again, they're not going to beat Auburn in cover. And in fact, I don't know if it's going to be it's going to be even in, in their favor if they do play close to out of their mind because Auburn, I believe right now, is a talented football team. Do you wish A and M had still beaten Alabama? 
Because if they hadn't, we would never we would never be here. At this point, we would not be here. I think it's a good thing they did because this win can help prop Auburn up in in college football playoffs. Sure, absolutely. And it gave Auburn some room for error against Alabama. Uh, you know, if they were to lose again, you know, it gives them some room to work. I think that's the only reason why I am appreciative of it is because it does give Auburn that that leeway. Also, not this weekend. You got to win this weekend. This is not a team that you can afford to lose to because A and M still just with two losses. But you could lose to State or. Um, please not South Carolina, but you could lose to one of those two teams and still go to the SEC title. Well, couldn't A&M lose to Ole Miss uh, in, in a week or so? Yeah. And then if Auburn loses to A&M and beats Alabama, I just feel less in. confident about them losing to Ole Miss if they beat Auburn this weekend. Sure. And then if Auburn were to beat Alabama, then Auburn would be in a three-way tie with Alabama and A&M. And then I don't know how that splits. <laughs> there you go. That would, man. I just don't want to go to that point. Yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to either. So, again, really important game this weekend. It's important because it's a good team. But for all the reasons that Brett stated, I mean, it's it's it looks like it's going to be at least competitive, and it looks like it's going to be in my mind. A, I kind of hope it is a little competitive. Like I hope Auburn wins by 14, 20 points, something like that, where it wasn't just like a massacre. And my reasoning for that is because if Auburn goes out there and beats them like forty nine to ten at their place, is the conjecture going to be that Auburn was good? Or that A&M's just not as good as we thought. And then, what do we say about that Alabama game now? We say what Brett said, which is they caught, they caught lightning in a bottle on, on a random day. And, you know, it's just, that's the way college football's gone this season. That will be the excuse now. It will not be, oh, Auburn just beat this team by 39 points that beat Alabama in, in College Station just a few weeks ago. That's what we're going to be saying. It's what we'll be saying, <laughs> but it's not what the media – and I don't want to say the world is out to get Auburn every single day of the week. They're not out to get Auburn, but they're not believing in Auburn either but right now. There are a lot of, there are a lot of people – I think there's there was reason to 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 have this stance earlier on in the season, but there are a lot of people that don't believe in Auburn. They're six and two. They've beaten two top twenty five teams. If they beat a And M this weekend, believe in Auburn is what I'm saying. Well, there's a lot of still left on our making headlines that we didn't get to from last segment. Lance, you want to go back through them? We're yeah. on point number two. Oklahoma State's appeal to uh, the NCAA has been rejected, and the Cowboys have been banned from the 2022 men's basketball postseason. So the NCAA still does have some teeth. Hey, look, they're actually, they exist. I forgot they did for a second. And here they are. They're slapping Oklahoma State. And it's, telling it's a reminder. It's it's a nasty reminder. You hope this isn't something that Auburn's dealing with. And you just don't know mm-hmm. because as we've pointed out many a time on this show, you don't know if there is a notice of allegations. They don't have to report that. So what if there is, you know? And I'm really hoping that the postseason ban that Auburn had last year, that's it. And if there is some type of repercussions for something that has occurred, if something has occurred, I'm hoping that it's the same type of slap on the wrist that South Carolina got and other teams have gotten in the past year where you and I have said, oh, well, this is a good sign for Auburn, right? Like this is like Auburn was in, if what we know, if what we've seen reported is what we know about Auburn and that's it, like that's all that's happened. Like, you would imagine their punishment would fall more in line with South Carolina, who just got put on probation, as opposed to Oklahoma State, who is now on a postseason ban. Yep, yep, I, I, I agree. I would much rather get a slap on the wrist and, and that be it, or nothing at all at this point, hopefully. It, but it, what's ridiculous is that this is still looming over the program, yeah. and this is about something that was investigated all the way back in 2017. NCAA, you know, they're they're known for moving quickly. They're known for figuring <laughs> things out real fast. You know, it's... it's uh, at this point, the NCAA committee needs, uh, like the investigation committee needs a walker. You know, okay? you like, know the sloth from Zootopia 
and how, yes. how that this that's the NCAA that's good. in any circumstance where they have to to condemn a program. College football playoff rankings uh, rankings were released. Everyone's mad. Everyone and their mother is mad about these rankings. And I just want to say some of the reactions on Twitter last night they were fantastic. I got I, I loved all the Cincinnati takes so much. And people would hate me, man, because <laughs> I don't know if you listened to yesterday's show. I spent about the last hour of the show telling you why Cincinnati shouldn't be ranked in the top four and why Alabama should be ranked number two. Oh, man. Well, Auburn fans will not like me if they listen to yesterday's show. If you listen to today's show, they will like me. Yesterday, they won't like me. Well, let's go through the poll real quick. Georgia at number one. That's how you know I'm not biased. <laughs> Say, hey, there you go, guys. Uh, anybody out there that's uh, anyway number two Alabama number three Michigan State number four Oregon number five Ohio State number six Cincinnati like we mentioned earlier number seven Michigan number eight Oklahoma Oklahoma undefeated all the way down at number eight number nine Wake Forest never thought I'd see that in my entire life number 10 Notre Dame I had a uh, I had a wager with somebody about where Notre Dame would be ranked, and uh, did you win or lose? I won because I said they would be ranked nine or nine or tenth or, or tenth, and uh, I think they deserve to be there. Yeah, and and uh, this person said that they would be ranked in the top four. Belichick, you disagree? It was free money. Who would you rank ahead of Notre Dame, Belichick? Nobody. Their one loss at number ten. I just would. I just don't have. Would you Notre put Dame Oklahoma State in front of them? I could, I'd be okay if you put Oklahoma State in I'd, front of them. Their only loss is to Iowa State. The thing is. Notre Dame's best win was Wisconsin, who's about 20... Uh, They're 21, 21, and you can make the argument that they do not deserve to be and, ranked. Yeah, uh, along with Iowa as well. Although they did just beat Iowa, and they're kind of on the rise Iowa's now. horrible, Sting. Yeah, but they, they have two wins over teams that are ranked in the top 25 in back-to-back weeks we're, now. We're getting down the rabbit hole this r- real quick, and we'll be talking about like Fresno State in the second, which is like these strings of wins from these different teams yeah. looping all the way back to Notre Dame. I just, uh, who did Wisconsin beat two weeks ago? Purdue. Oh, get out of here. You're like two top 25 wins. Yeah, what this is Purdue, top 25 was, win. Purdue was ranked 25th. UTSA isn't ranked, yeah. which is amazing to me. That's and unbelievable. It's a crime against humanity. Roadrunners. Is it? No, should I, they yes. be ranked? No, they should no. at least I don't, be in the I don't 20s. Know, I don't know if they, they should. should. Be ranked I don't know the if they should. I'm just saying like the fact that they're ranked in the AP poll is pretty dope. And yeah. I would love to see them. They're not just ranked how, in the AP poll. They're in the top 20 in the AP like poll. Yes, yeah, so how, how can they not be in the top 25 for the playoff poll? But San Diego State, who is who has a loss... Is Which, I can understand in theory why Fresno State. Who do you think is a better ranked. team, San Diego State or UTSA? UTSA. Really? Yeah. This See, is I why I don't believe that. San Diego I think San State Diego doesn't State's, have a quarterback. This okay. is why you listen to this show. Love <laughs> me. You just have to agree to disagree. I think San Diego State's a better team there, and that that's probably based more upon the history of San Diego State than this year. I'll I'll be honest with that. Yeah. But I know that good players run through that building because they send guys to the league. Well, let's look. And they win on a consistent basis. Let's look at the Whereas teams. UTSA, this is the first year they've ever done anything, so you can understand my skepticism. By the way, UTSA, real quick, before I make this other point, they did nothing this weekend. I believe they were on a bye, and they went up seven spots because there was just so much chaos in the poll. I just think that's awesome. I mean, UTSA this season, their best win is... Memphis or Illinois. And look at San Diego State. They beat Utah, Air Force. Uh, they lost by 10 to Fresno State this past weekend. But, but they, they've beaten two Power 5 teams in Arizona and Utah, and then they beat Air Force uh, a couple weeks ago to be, what, 7-1 and one and a loss to another top 25 team in Fresno State. I mean, I'm just not sure if you put UTSA in the Mountain West on San Diego State schedule that they don't have a worse record, if not if not the exact same record. That's fair, you know? but then at some point winning games has to matter, doesn't it? 
Um, see, I hear that argument a lot about like, oh, Cincinnati's undefeated. They're eight. No, like, does winning games matter? Winning the right games matter. And these teams aren't winning the right games. They're beating Western Kentucky by six and Memphis by three and UNLV by seven. Memphis beat Mississippi State. Oh, okay. So you who is beat number the, 17. You, and I don't know if Mississippi State should be that high. They shouldn't be. Right. But I don't they think are. That, and they, now we're arguing about 17, okay? Like, I'm not, I'm I'm not too saying, worried I think, about it. I think these are terrible rankings. That's all. That's Yeah, I think we can all agree that the rankings are not They're not perfect. Good. Oh, I agree with that. I, I Oregon think, shouldn't be four. I don't think they're the fourth best team in the country. But I'm just saying, if we're getting into this argument about, um, if we're getting into this discussion now about property argument, well, that that's brought up a lot. But also, if we're just getting into this discussion about group of five versus power five, and then people want to say, well, do playing games not even matter anymore? It's like I've been saying this for a couple of years now. I'll be open about it. I don't think the group of five has enough of a leg to stand on to make it into a college football playoff unless they somehow get a way in their non-conference schedule to beat three, two or three like good teams, like two good teams, and they've got to like be great ranked wins. Like it can't be Notre but, Dame and Indiana. But then it can't that'll be never that. happen. Yep. Well, because those teams are not, not going to schedule problem. those group of five teams. So, but do you just because they haven't scheduled them? Does that mean they don't have a reason? Does that mean they have proven to you that they deserve to be there? That's my question, and I don't. I just don't think they have. And also, if you're Cincinnati and you're trying to prove to people that you deserve to be in the top four, you can't beat Navy by seven <laughs> and two fair. and play Tulane the way you did the week after it. Like that has to matter. You have to absolutely decimate every single team you play. That the burden of proof is on you. Exactly. That's why Oklahoma is so low in the rankings, I believe, is because the committee has looked at the way they have played many of their games and been saying like, uh, yeah. Then let's go use that same logic, similar logic there. Outside of the Ole Miss game, where has Alabama looked truly impressive? Because they were struggling with Tennessee until the middle of the fourth quarter. That was a one touchdown game. They haven't looked dominant. They beat Florida, who's four and four, by two points. So why should they be number two? We're also talking about SEC teams versus Conference USA teams here, though. You know what I mean? We have to use an equal... It's not equal. Florida is a better team than UNLV. Florida is a better team than Lamar. These are the teams that UTSA is playing on a week-to-week basis. These are the teams that that these that Cincinnati is playing on a week to week basis, guys. Then, like, they, then they have no chance to prove that they're good enough because nobody will schedule them. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm not saying that they don't have a chance to prove it, but I'm also saying that that doesn't necessarily qualify them to make it. Now, if you want to expand the pe- the playoff to 12 teams to allow them in, fine. I'll, like I'll get on board with you there. But that's not the reality of the of the situation. Here is reality: four teams make the college football playoff. Who are the four? Te- who are the best four teams? Put them in. Notre Dame. No, get out of here. Get out. And I and I think the four teams that they've got in there, my top three was Georgia, Alabama, Michigan State. Four for me was Oklahoma. Or it ain't Oregon. Okay. And if right. you want to put Ohio State, I actually think Ohio State's playing a lot better now than they were earlier in the year. Oregon's playing yeah. a lot worse. I think you have to look at you I have to put everything into context as well, like when the wins happen, how they happened. Because I'm also not about cherry-picking results there. But I get their logic of why they put Oregon above Ohio State. I get that. On the same front, though, 
I think you could say Oklahoma being undefeated. Yes, Oklahoma hasn't looked great in insert game here, like how they played against Kansas or how they played against West Virginia earlier this year. But Oregon hasn't looked great in every single game that they've played. And they've actually lost to somebody, whereas Oklahoma has won. So I think you could put Oklahoma – that was my reasoning for why I would put Oregon – uh, in Ohio State behind Oklahoma in these rankings. Right, I agree with that, honestly. I do, because, yeah, while Oklahoma has looked bad in a lot of games, I would even compare them probably to Florida State in 2014 where everybody knew they were not a good football team. They kept eking out but wins. But they kept winning. But they won. And, and they beat some good teams in there, too. Yeah, and then that just circles back at the end of the day. Wins have to matter. They are also the but only. the teams that you beat have to matter. Like that, like a five and three Kansas State team is better than this year's Louisiana Tech, who's like three and five or two and four. Yeah, of course. And Oklahoma is beating teams like that with consistency to get to nine and zero. Whereas UTSA and Cincinnati are eking by wins against one and six Tulane teams. And I think yeah. I think the point about beating the the teams that you beat mattering is proven in the fact that you know teams like Mississippi State are in the poll and you say well why is a five and three mississippi state team in above all those other teams well they beat texas a&m they beat kentucky, kentucky and they beat nc state and all three of those teams are currently ranked inside the college football playoff poll so it's it's really important that you beat teams that are good it's and sure they lost to memphis and they lost to alabama who was the third team that they lost to mississippi state uh the third team lsu okay see that one's condemning I don't like the LSU loss at all, but the, the and Memphis I really loss. don't like the Memphis loss either. But it evens out. <laughs> but they also beat some really good teams too. You know what I mean? And it's like you can't say the same thing. And and like I said, we were we were getting down to it with Mississippi State. I didn't like Mississippi State at seventeen. I thought that was really high. Um, I, I don't like Wisconsin really at twenty one either. I mean, if you want to rank UTSA, that's fine. I get that. If you want to rank them, that's fine. But I, I don't think that they should be sixteenth in the AP poll. That's right. absolutely I'm not ridiculous. Put them in the top ten. I just I I'm stunned that they're completely unranked when teams that have worse records than, than them are who are at the similar levels of competition let's head to a quick break here we wrap up the show when we come back last segment of the wednesday edition of on the line it's been a fun show today if you missed any of it go and find the podcast on apple podcast google podcast spotify stitcher and iHeartRadio. it was a report wednesday we dove into texas a&m told you why you should be confident about Almer going into college station even if you may not be also just gave some impressions of the college football playoff rings we haven't devoted obviously enough time to the college football playoff rings today after our spirited discussion and our last segment we'll talk about it tomorrow still too yeah and i would just like to ask like the drive like can we just take the next two hours because we got it nah, we, nah, we nah. can talk about the playoff rankings for a while and i cannot wait to dive back into it on tomorrow's show and i can't wait to hear what they have to say about it too i yeah absolutely 100 uh, percent don't 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 go anywhere by the way after the after the uh, show wraps up here because i'm sure uh, Bill and Dan have some interesting takes on the playoff rankings as well. But and they'll yeah. be taking your calls as well. So a lot of good stuff coming up on the drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck. They also have Jason Caldwell's in the house. He's going to be on their show. So uh, stay tuned for that. Fantastic show so far today. And like you mentioned, schematically, we broke down what Texas A&M is going to do. We didn't really get to, you know, I mean, we, 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 we talked about it a lot, but just specifically what uh what will Auburn do in terms of matchups against Texas A&M? What what how will Auburn match up with their strengths and weaknesses? I know we kind of beat around the bush a little. And bit. We'll talk but, about but, that tomorrow too. But specifically, as we head out here, what are some of your overarching thoughts? I think Auburn's going to be able to stop A&M's offense with relative ease. I don't think Auburn's going to have too much issues there. A&M's very straightforward with what they want to do, and it plays right into Auburn's strength. I don't have I don't have really too much concern about A&M's offense. Now A&M's defense can be concerning. But 
they don't commit a whole lot of guys to the run regardless of opponent and that's killed them this year in some games in terms of stopping the run they've given up a lot of rush yards in four or five games this year against teams that run the ball well i wouldn't be shocked if auburn can put it on the ground and move the football i think it'll be a really quick game though i think both of these teams are gonna run the ball a lot and it's not going to last very long then again there are cbs commercials that takes forever <laughs> that's it for the wednesday edition of on the line we'll see you tomorrow